the solution that we are providing is that with our technology, you can treat the internet like you are locked in. This means that we are adding the layer of identity and authentication to the internet. This means you never have to fill in one form again and you own your identity and you can prove your identity in one click. Welcome to Empower, the first real fire property platform on Cardano that combines emerging technology, sustainable building, and decentralized financial inclusion. My name is Blaine, and I'm the sustainability architect here at Empower. And on this podcast, we'll be sharing conversations based around Empower's three key principles of building, community, and impact. If you want to join our journey and help us build a better future with Empower, then make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay. Welcome back to the Empower Podcast. My name is Blaine, and today we are joined by Tim, CEO and co-founder of IMX, a digital identity solution building on Cardano. So Tim, cheers for coming on the show. Thank you, Blaine. Um, we could probably dive straight in, but to, to, to start us off, um, can you please do a quick introduction on who you are and what you do? Yes, my name is Tim Heidfeld. I'm the co-founder of IMX. My uh, business expertise and strategic know-how in the last 20 years is mainly coming from the e-commerce sector. They're from the so-called electronic marketplaces. So for real estate, um, for cars, for finance, for dating. And um, the past 10 years, I've been concentrated um, on the mobile phone telecommunication sector. Okay. And... IMX, can you give a high-level overview of what is IMX? The solution that we are providing is that with our technology, you can treat the internet like you are locked in. This means that we are adding the layer of identity and authentication to the internet. This means you never have to fill in one form again and you own your identity and you can prove your identity in one click. You really have to imagine a situation that you go to various websites and you can just, for example, if you want to purchase something, do this in one click without form filling and without doing a know your customer process. So this is the key solution. Our solution is you are treating the internet like you are logged in. Interesting. So you're treating the internet as if you are logged in. There's this layer on top of the internet, which has this verification sort of a, a layer. Um, but why do we need this layer in the first place? Can you maybe touch on some of the problems that you're looking to address? Um, and then, yeah, maybe we can dive into some specific uh, solutions to those problems yes maybe we take a little helicopter view okay. and uh, we look back at the development of the past maybe 40 years um, before web one there was something called btx bildschirm text this was like the first form of you know 
peers to interact via each other. Web one was like the age of um, Netscape and the main function there was to, to read content that is on the internet and the internet is not built with a layer of identity and authentication. Web two is the age of Facebook and YouTube. And um, besides reading, it added writing because all the content is basically user created. So what is web three? Maybe we have all read it in the newspapers. It's a very famous buzzword. Web three is adding the layer of identity and authentication to the internet. This makes it possible to do one-click fulfillment. This is the main differentiator. Why do we need this? I don't know how often, Blaine, you have typed in your name into various forms, also today. And um, natural persons, customers like you and me, they spend a total of 400 days in their life, 400 days each 24 hours, filling in forms and doing know your customer processes. And you can do, you know, so much more valuable things in this time. The solution that we are providing brings the big benefit to the customer that you save this time and you kind of interact with various partners in a convenient way. And because the partners also save money, you also save not only time, but also money with the goods that you purchase because of the re reduced costs that we enable with those partners. Okay, interesting. So just to maybe dive into that one a, a bit more. So 400 days of your life, you fill in forms and do KYC. That, first of all, is um, a pretty uh, crazy st statistic, and it makes you kind of want to <laughs> question all your life decisions if, if we're spending that much time filling in KYC. So there's a if we can do a one-click sort of a solution, we save time. Um, and if there is a platform which is doing the KYC, because the user is saving time, um, they can drop their, their fees, which would then be those, those savings would be passed on to the user as well. Is that what you're, no. Let's say we look at a standard e-commerce company and this is maybe one of, um... Yeah, today, the biggest markets regarding um, revenues in the world. And um, they have two cost areas. Mm. Um, the lower cost area, the more easy to, to understand, is what are the costs for a know your customer process. And um, if I take an example from Europe, and I look, for example, as continuous obligations or banking products, and it needs to be in a very um, diligent manner, the costs amount to, to about 10 US dollars or 10 euros. This is not something that the customer pays, this is something that the verifier pays. And um, this is, for example, the so-called post-ident or video-ident where real persons are involved. So with our technology, you save 10 US dollars for every customer that you onboard. And this is money saver number one for every verifier that needs know your customer processes. 
Cost area number two is if you have an e-commerce website, the question is always, where do you get the traffic from? And then you learn, okay, traffic and visits, they cost money. And the average price, price amounts to $1.50 per, per visit. And um, the average conversion rate in e-commerce is about 2%. 2% means that you need 50 visitors for one sale. 50 times 150 is so you have 75 euros of customer acquisition costs. And if you then look at the website, you see the product, then you come to a form, you type in Blaine again, and then you do your, you know, your customer process. And on this way, you need so many customers to enter the funnel from the top because not everybody completes because they don't have so much data right now to fill in. Maybe they do not have their passport. And so the solution that we have has an effect on the conversion rate of 2.5. This means an increase from 2 to 5%. This means you do not need um, 50 visitors anymore, but 20. 20 times 150 is 30 euros. So um, you save um, 45 euros um, compared to the 75 euros that you had before. And this combined with saving on the Neuer customer process is that you save 55 euros per transaction. This is massive. And um, let's say you as an e-commerce company say, okay, I would like to give 50% of this back to the customers. So I have a benefit regarding my competitors and mass onboarding new clients. I can do this without that my margin decreases. It's still higher because our, our simple so um, solution has saved so much money. Interesting, interesting. So from the business perspective, so a business that wants, that needs to go through the process of KYC, they would save money on um, identity solution like IMX, where they don't have to do, you said it's, um, uh, I can't remember the numbers, but it, that's a cheaper process. Yes, because so, it's a reusable Know Your Customer process. And the second one is reusable form filling. And yeah. this increases the conversion rate. And then you need less visitors to purchase for one sale. And this is even the higher savings. And then the verifier can say, okay, therefore I can reduce the price for my products, for my services, for my whatever to the customers yep. that onboard via IMX identity. Yes, I see. And then that's where the user savings come into play as a byproduct of that. Okay, gotcha. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Okay, so those are some of the, the problems that you're solving. Could we maybe explore some of the specific use cases for this? Um, so implementing this sort of a technology, I know like we're obviously in the crypto space and the Cardano space, I know an NFT recently, I forget the name of the actual project. Let me, I think it's uh, Teddy Troops. Mm -hmm. They implemented your sort of a technology. So that's one interesting use case. What are some use cases for this um, maybe now and then also like in the mid to long term as well? Um, I think the biggest benefit is being derived from providing a technology that makes it possible for the customer, for the holder, that he can treat the internet like he is locked in. And this then results in the benefits that I just mentioned. This means that basically every e-commerce transaction 
will change how it is done now because form filling and your customer process are not needed. So the use cases there are all the business cases that are mm-hmm. in Web2 right now will be simplified um, by our technology. Number two is if we are able to deliver identity in the control um, of the holder, um, it is also possible to connect not only you as a natural person and not only companies to the internet, but also assets. What does it mean to connect an asset um, to the internet? How can we how can we imagine this? Let's say there would be a solution if you have a real estate to take, for example, the real estate because it has such a such a value. And if you look at um, the development in crypto, um, stable coins are, for example, very popular, and they are always backed with fiat. So it's euro or US dollars. And um, I think the total value of private-owned real estate worldwide is. Um, I don't know how high the number is, but it's like five digits higher than the complete world, um, than the complete market volume of the US dollar. So let's say our technology also makes it possible that you put real estate as a collateral on the chain to back the stable coin or to take out a loan against this because we add certain standardized rights and certain real world anchors that this is possible. And this means also that you can transfer assets in a new form and way. And you can also, for example, inherit or whatever. You can just interact completely different if it's possible for you to also control the assets that are in your ownership. Regarding the NFT identity, the motivation that we had there is that we see NFT identity like a midterm goal. Our wish is that um, we may contribute to the ecosystem, that everybody can use this benefit of, you know, treating the internet like you are locked in, but to add the identity to assets is something that is good for buyer and seller. The um, seller, so the creator has the benefit that he can verify that he is the creator. So this is good. The purchaser likes this because there's basically zero fraud because it is proven that this NFT has been created by a certain creator. So this adds trusts. And so this adds trusts, trust, and this also adds value. And um, this also enables a much higher um, second market sales volume. We have done this once just for a proof of concept with a artist that has never done a crypto project 5500 nfts sold out between less than 48 hours with i think almost 300 000 ADAs. and um, the second market volume till now and we did this at the beginning of march is even higher So what we have done there is adding trust. And the effect was that it was directly sold out and that it had a great benefit on the the second market sales volume because um, 
you can just rely on the product that you that you are buying um, that it is real. Interesting. Can I'd like to just maybe unpack the NFT identity just a little yes. bit because um, obviously NFTs are a big part of what we do, and also within the Cardano space and crypto space, NFTs. You know, it's, it's a bit of a buzzword. Everyone's kind of wanting to get involved in some way. So I know through purchasing NFTs, there's like a policy ID, which kind of serves as like a, a fingerprint for that sort of a, a collection. So how would that um, how would that differ from this sort of a NFT identities like like in my head this is how I visualize it and maybe you can kind of tell me where I'm uh, right or wrong but the policy ID verifies an NFT belongs to a collection like this is part of the kind of the blockchain there's a policy ID per collection so that's one form of a verification but this NFT identity that you're talking about is maybe um linking that nft to uh, a person or uh, an identity or like a creator is that maybe one way to differentiate the two or how yes yeah yes okay. exactly and um we also had the goal that this is much more easy to understand so policy ids where do you find them um you always have a little thing there that says okay it is somehow proven, but as a purchaser, it's sometimes hard to really understand whether this NFT um, is real or not real. So the solution, I think, should be that it's clear and easy to understand who is the creator and that it's clear and easy to, to prove the, um, the, authentic, uh, the, uh, the authenticity um, of the NFT. So what we add to the policy ID is very simple. Let's say that Blaine is a creator and um, he has done a certain collection. What we check then is whether you can successfully log in to your social accounts. Um, we have developed a technology that um, includes, I think, 14 or 15 various sources. So it's Twitter, Facebook, Discord, Instagram, GitHub, the Marketplace account, YouTube, website. We offer EBAN verification and other stuff. But it's basically when you have been logging in to Blake Twitter, Blake LinkedIn, and all those things that I just mentioned 14 times successfully, it's very probable that Blaine is really the creator. Furthermore, we add the, the fans and the amount of followers that the creator has next to Twitter, next to Facebook, next to Instagram. So um, this also gives you in your decision-making process, a real good checking source that this NFT is real. And we display this via a little eye next to each NFT. So when you mouse over it, there's a little box that opens and that gives this information. And then, then you can decide whether um, you want to use, you want to purchase this or not. So the goal is to integrate this on um, various NFT marketplaces like NFT Maker Pro um, to integrate this in wallets and not only to integrate it in the Cardano ecosystem. Our technology is 
well, let's say a little bit agnostic. Um, it works on any ledger and any ecosystem. It's just a very, very simple piece of sub software. You can think about it like a Lego or like a Minecraft building block. It can be used everywhere and it is owned by the creator and it's mm. portable. Okay, so it's, um, okay, I think that's a good explanation of those differences. And I think for those that are interested about this part in particular, there's um, an interesting graphic on your uh, deck, on, on your website, on your yes. uh, IMX deck, which visualizes this bit where you hover over and what pops up. So yeah, recommend checking that out. Um, the part that you said about it being chain agnostic, so that layer doesn't sit on a particular blockchain, that layer sits on the internet. Whenever you talk about data, you talk about you need some kind of container where to store this data. And um, this is a so-called DIT. It means a decentralized identifier. And um, the DIT that we have developed, and it's also registered with the World Wide Web Consortium as a standard for our solution. We have developed this in a way that it works on basically every ledger and not only on the ledger. You can integrate this in various projects, in protocols, in software solution. It's simple and portable and it can be used to to connect buyer seller application and it makes it possible that you really have those so-called asynchronous workflows i don't know whether this was too complex yeah. does that container where you that storage of information does is that container does that live on cardano or yes yeah okay but, so that lives but you can but you can also store this on uh, bitcoin you can also store it on ethereum okay, you can store it on solana it's um chain agnostic yeah it's yeah, called did then imx and then basically any ledger and it's also visible in writing like this mm. you just yeah. decide the storage yeah. whether it's cardano or something something else uh, uh, okay just, so that that container, there can be multiple containers that IMX connect to. Yes, and but the customer, the holder, you, for example, Blaine, can decide if you say um, regarding your identity, where do you want to store it? Um, you know, some people like Cardano, some like Ethereum, some like Bitcoin, some like Solana. So the storage is possible everywhere. Right now, we support from today, 43 different DID methods. 43 different DID methods. Yeah, you can say this is the same like 43 different ledgers. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. And you mentioned um, it being simple in, in the sense that you can, I guess, simple in terms of it being portable. I think that's that simpleness and sometimes that has maybe a bit of stigma attached to it but it being simple i imagine is an important ingredient 
in in terms of making it um, like buy in one click. So that whole one click process. Um, it means simple to manage. And when I mean simple is um, regarding the architecture of this little, let's call it a container is um, maybe I will, I may talk about this for a moment because then it's better it. to understand. It is customer owned, so you own it, Blaine. You control it. It is portable for you only. It is decentral, for example, stored on Cardano. Um, we have developed this in a way that it is compliant with data protection and AML in every country. It is completely interoperable. It has an open architecture. It is user-centric. Um, it is secure. It is multilingual, so you can use this in various languages. It is completely privacy insurers and it is technology neutral. So mm. Cardano, yes, but it works on basically every decentral form and it is simple to manage. Those are the most important elements of this um, piece of software. You mm. control it, for example, via an identity wallet. So we are developing an app for this. We have developed already a browser plugin in Chrome for this. This is how you control this and interact. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. I mean, humans are a, a global species and we're only becoming increasingly more, more global. So you, we kind of, if we're having some sort of identity solution, it needs to be, um, I guess, flexible and adaptable and portable for different I guess, situations wherever you are. Like if you just close yourself off to one thing, then it just limits the, the number of applications you can use it for, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And it is independent from the form of payment. So just that we understand this, you can still store your identity on Cardano. We like Cardano. We have started with Cardano. But you can also use this in an, in an, um, in an Ethereum um, ecosystem because it doesn't substitute the payment it's just the proof and the verification of identity gotcha gotcha okay i think i've uh, wrapped my head around it a little bit more um what about the roadmap so what does the roadmap look, look like for you guys we have been we are a very young company we have been founded in um november 2021 regarding the legal entity that we have um, set up in Switzerland. Um, in the same month, in November 2021, we have delivered our first proof of work um, with a German mobile telecommunication provider. Proof of work means that we just talked about this one-click fulfillment. That, that was one click. Three days later, you have the SIM card in your post, in your house. No form filling, no, no your customer process again. And uh, we have done this live. So this was our proof of work in November. In um, December, we have filed um, intellectual property um, regarding our verifiable credential set containers because um, they are GDPR conform and they are basically accepted by, by most of the Verifiers, some states require certain catalog checks where you need to apply first, but from the technology, it's, it works. Um, in January, we have completed building 10 biometric identity terminals 
Hmm. Each is Ten. three meter high and they serve as a interface between physical world and digital world and they provide biometric identity and they also say goodbye to passwords, passwords. so no more no more um, keyword phrases and stuff in march this month um, we have been registered as a dit method in the worldwide web consortium and also in this month we have put nft identity live with the first project and right now we are implementing this on certain Cardano projects, but also on projects on other ledgers. Mm -hmm. um, the goal that we have for the first half year regarding 2022 is to deliver NFT identity to more NFT marketplaces, to more wallets, and also to more ledgers. And uh, for the second half of um, 2022, we plan to onboard um, the first two out of 49 telecommunication partners regarding their clients because they have pre-authenticated data mm -hmm. and they will have the benefit to directly use this. So those are like the, like the big picture milestones and over um, the next two or three years, we will ramp this up to um, 49 telcos, including Telcos means tele, tele, uh, telecommunication yeah. partners and um, also to implement um, this biometric identity gateway into various cities that we choose because with only 500 terminals, um, we reach 1.6 billion people because the 500 biggest cities contain 1.6 billion people. And this also drives a benefit there to be, to be completely independent of the issuer to put the identity on the chain because you have a hardware solution where you can go to. And it is 100% free for you and me, for the customer. Yeah, that, that biometric um, gateway is a really interesting uh, idea like that in and of itself is I imagine a lot of people would be interested in um, not having to worry about passwords and, and seed phrases and they could just trust the uniqueness of their whatever it is your iris or your fingerprint or, or whatever by physical attributes you capture what 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 do you capture by uh, out of curiosity from the biometric part uh -huh. um the two most important hardware elements and software elements of this terminal is the scanner and the biometric camera. Both of those hardware and software elements are used in Europe for border crossing. Mm. So you have to think of a technology standard that is so high that it's used when you, for example, enter a European country from, a, from another country um, in the world. Um, the biometrics that uh, we take is um, the face and we take the fingerprints still and rolled. It is possible to add the iris because it's unique. It's possible to add the signature, not as a form of signature like a piece of paper, but you can measure how fast the signature is done, how much pressure you put on the field. So each of 
those things that I just mentioned is basically a unique identifier. Your face is unique, your iris is unique, your fingerprints is, is unique. And we are putting them into an even bigger um, unique identifier because we chain them. And this then is also delivered into um, your wallet. Always only just that everybody understands this in a very, very abstract form. So this is a so-called vector-based model. So this would mean even Blaine, if you give, would give me full access to your wallet, um, we both cannot see um, what is really inside those credentials. This is concerning yeah. your complete personal data that we just talked about regarding the business cases uh, for the web, but this is also um, concerning your biometrics. Mm -hmm. It is only possible to look inside when you already know the answer. So even if you would give me access, we both would see nothing. And therefore, you know, it's always in a, this is always in a state that it cannot be tempered. So it's very, very, very secure. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. A lot of exciting things uh, in the works. Um, how for those uh, that want to learn more about what you guys do and also support, I know you have an ISBO, maybe you can talk about that, but how can people connect with you guys and support um, your project? Um, if you want to partner with us, um, the best thing is to send an email partner at imx.id. This is regarding business partnerships or um, building an ecosystem together or integrating our identity solution into your ecosystem. So it, so it works. We are happy to do this. Um, all the other forms is um, on our website, imx.id. If you scroll down there, there we have all the information regarding email, Twitter, Discord, GitHub. GitHub. We have a list of the pools. Um, we have a delegation center. So there are various forms to get in contact with IMX. Hmm. Okay, so we can add any, um, any of those links uh, in the podcast description as well. Yes. So people can easily uh, connect. Um, I think we're nearing, nearing the end of the podcast as one. Um, one more question I'd like to, to ask you. Uh, it's kind of like a futuristic um, kind of a question, but um, yeah, really, really interesting um, talking about this sort of stuff because with, with Empower, obviously uh, identity solutions would be something that would be looking to integrate in the future at some point. So I think part of this podcast is just um, having conversations with people that are, kind of working in these different areas that would like to also have exposure to in the future and just kind of learning. It's kind of like an educational resource. So it's, um, yeah, been a really interesting conversation. But for the, for the final question, um, what excites you the most about the future of decentralized uh, digital identity? I think we have to go back to really understand what digital identity is. And um, then I think we come to the point that it's probably like a human right or a human mm. right on identity. And that this is something that you should own mm. and control. And our technology contribution makes exactly this possible. 
you own your identity with IMX, nobody else. I love it. I think that's a very succinct answer. Um, Cause I think it's, this, I think of it in the same sort of a way, like it's a, it's a human right. Yes. Um, and I think that makes sense, but I think we've been so conditioned for it to kind of be out of our control that we've almost just acclimatized to it. Um, kind of not being a given or not being the default, um, but with blockchain, we now have a technology where, we, where it can become a default. It can become um, more of a, something that all humans have access to because they should anyway. You know, it should be a human right. So, Yes, and especially for your business model, you've said that you are starting in Africa. Right now there are 7.9, almost 8 billion people in the world. And um, regarding a statistic of the World Bank, 1.4 billion have no national ID. And if you have no national ID that you can prove, it's very hard to get a bank account, to get a mobile phone contract. And 240 million are children who have no proof like a birth certificate. And also there, our solution contributes on providing a form of um, identity that can be used and this will make hopefully the lives of the people better.